Hello everybody, welcome back to another week of DQ with Damani. We've got a lot to get to this week. A lot of surprising developments in the boxing world. I know you guys are just as shocked as me. Without further ado, let's get right into it. I just got back from f not filming, more so practicing, getting a little bit of feeling out with the guy that I'm filming this boxing movie called The Prospect With. I am the, uh, I, I wouldn't call myself the main antagonist, but... Uh, I can't tell you guys, a little bit of a spoiler alert, I am the guy in the final fight of the film. It's going to be really good, keep your eyes open for that. Film should be dropping either May or April, one of the two months. The Prospect, very nice film by my friend Max Friedman. Thank you so much to Max and Jordan for giving me the opportunity to bring boxing to life through this film. Now... In a surprising turn of events, my boy Ilunga Makabu is returning to defend his WBC Cruiserweight World Championship against Badu Jack. The infamous Don King, Makabu's promoter over in the United States, made it known frequently that Makabu would be active at the start of 2023, but the, the opponent, it seemed to switch names multiple times, Don King wasn't really consistent. There were issues across the board regarding Makabu's promotion, but everything seemed to get cleared up once Bardu Jack dropped a fight graphic on Instagram for the historic matchup. Badu and Ilunga also addressed the boxing world during a press conference for Jake Paul's own matchup against Tommy Fury. During their conversation, Makabu made it known that Badu Jack would have to work hard and have the heart of a true champion to take what belongs to the WBC Cruiserweight Beast. I've been watching a lot of film on Makabu, and I'm so happy he is getting this exposure. He deserves it more than anybody at this point in time, and as a major representative of African boxing, he is going to put everybody on the map, for sure. He's going to put everybody on. Boxing in Africa has become a hotspot for talent, and there are many champions, such as Emmanuel Tego, Makabu himself, and Efe Adjagba, who have carved a path for themselves after breaking out onto the scene from various nations in Africa. Badu Jack, he has the chance to become a three-division world champion, a, f a feat that many fighters have been able to achieve as of late. Ray Vargas, another man we've brought up on here, has had the same privilege, but the difference between the two is public perception. Many fans right now are under the belief that Badu Jack's cruiserweight title shot is undeserved, seeing as how Makabu could have easily decided to unify his belt with Lawrence Okoli or Jay Opataya for their WBO and IBF cruiserweight titles respectively. There are also other challengers aside from unification. Badu Jack, he is currently only ranked number 10 across the four commissions according to BoxRec as of today. He really falls below people such as Kovalev and Chris Billum smith who are ahead of him. Badu's last match also wasn't his best performance necessarily. He lagged behind his competition and he couldn't seem to push the gas further than just his second gear. If Badu Jack really wants to convince the fans that this title shot is something that he has earned rightfully based upon his last performance, then he should most definitely want to get things started early. He does not want to wait and be patient, hang out on the ropes, in the corner, etc., he really wants to make a strong impression against Makabu because if he goes out there and he just lets Makabu outwork him, then it'll just be a waste of the fans' time, a, a, a waste of the 
investor's time. It's not really a matchup that was worthwhile for anybody if he just doesn't make a showing of himself. And being a fan of Badu Jack, being a fan of Ilunga Makabu, both men, I feel like they, they're they not just going to be content with letting this be a sparring match for a world title. Like, they're, they're definitely going to want to bring their A game. Badu Jack, especially based upon all the things that I've just said, he really needs to push things further than just throwing a couple jabs, a couple right hands. He really needs to make Makabu work. He needs to. I know the guys over in Saudi Arabia, they're throwing a whole bunch of money into this event. So if there's going to be a continued like flow of boxing over there, Badu Jack's performance is heavily dependent upon whether or not they're going to have these events like more frequently. Even though, of course, Jake Paul is the main event. We know that Jake is the main event. But really, if we're talking about legitimate boxing, world championship boxing... Boxing that is at the top flight of the sport. Badu Jack and Ilunga Makabu, they, they have a lot of weight on their shoulders right now. Because all eyes are on them from the Saudis. All eyes are on them from all the people outside. People in America. People in the UK. People in Africa. Especially are going to be very tuned into this fight. And they don't want to be disappointed. It doesn't... Th this event... It needs to be a success commercially, and for it to be a success commercially, the fight has to be up to par. It can't be an event where these two are just like playing around with each other. Like it can't be a Floyd Med it, it, it can't be a Floyd exhibition. That's really the bottom line here. It can't be a fight where these two are just feeling each other out and they get across the twelve round stretch and then hey, Makabu is the world champion. That's not the fight that investors want to see, and that's certainly not the fight fans want to see. Up next, Mario Barrios. He has finally landed his shot at redemption this past weekend on Ray Vargas's undercard. He completely obliterated his opposition in dominating fashion, using his ring IQ to create forward pressure many in the division will need to watch out for. Barrios's ability as a finisher should be unquestionable at this point. He's an excellent boxer puncher who knows how to pick his shots and when to cut the ring off to dismantle escape routes that his opponents might take. His step forward cross into his left hook is a true work of art, and his body shots complement his cross well. Barrios is not afraid to bait and switch his opponents when it comes to forcing them to change the guard. He can go high and go low anytime he wants to and will still land shots with meticulous accuracy. After this impressive victory, the boxing world is now asking, what's next for El Azteca, Mario Barrios? Barrios would definitely be a solid opponent for somebody like Rory Romero, but we've got some special news to break regarding Rory coming up later. He's had a tough break recently, and El Azteca really hasn't been in winning form since he lost his WBA Super Lightweight Championship to Tank Davis. After losing his belt, he lost once again to Keith one-time Thurman across a 12-round stretch. In the 7th round, Barrios was rocked badly by Thurman with a slick up jab. And Barrios' defense, it's really been a common point of criticism. Not just based upon this fight, but the tank fight as well and his other fights prior despite the fact that he was winning. It causes a lot of issues on the scorecards. He leaves himself open to counters and despite his eager attitude, a lot of people, they really seem to think that Barrios' defense it needs a bit of cleaning up. Barrios is one of the most game fighters out there, and as a fellow boxer, I have nothing but respect for him. I'm never going to roast guys on this show. 
However, getting upwards momentum when you continuously get yourself caught to the head is counteractive. Boxing involves a lot of risk management when a career is at stake. And Barrios taking on two killers in two different divisions was a big drawback. However, this knockout win puts him right back into the winning column. Shaki Foster went the distance against Ray Vargas in a match that seemed completely under his control. Foster was dictating the terms of the fight, forcing Vargas to chase him. Chasing your opponent around the ring will most definitely put a strain on your gas tank, but Vargas' stamina, surprisingly, didn't seem to weaken. In fact, he kept trying to crack Foster's defense, giving him a run for his money. This man had Foster dancing around the ring, but he was completely unbothered. In the early rounds, Vargas threw jabs and left hooks that missed. Naturally, the commentators picked up on it after I questioned it. We all know I'm always the first one to get to it. <laughs> Vargas wanted to get Foster out of there early, but he could not touch him. Across the 12-round stretch, Vargas was largely unsuccessful with his major power punches. Vargas turned on the heat a few times. In rounds 5, 7, and 9, he increased his punch output. Foster adjusted himself well against Vargas' punches. In these three rounds, he remained above a 25% punch accuracy rate. In this match, Foster earned his first world championship, and I couldn't be more proud of him. On his shots, he didn't really seem to hesitate or be last to the punch. All of Foster's shots came from a very good position. On Foster's shorts, the words shock the world truly became a reality as he dragged Vargas through 12 rounds. There was nothing more to be said as the man brought his son into the ring to witness the moment he was crowned world champion. A lot of people counted Foster out in this fight. Keep in mind the fact that Ray Vargas was coming up in weight to conquer a third weight class similar to what Emmanuel Navarrete just did last weekend. Vegas had Foster coming in as a massive underdog initially but the odds changed multiple times, causing the betting really to be swayed back and forth. The money line seemed to be just about even. People were seeing it more as a 50-50 as the hours drew closer to the fight. As always, I decided to not throw my money in the mix, but I did enjoy seeing Vargas try to work around Foster's crafty offense. This, of course, was my first time seeing Foster fight live, and I have to say that he has earned a fan in me. Not just because of his inspired victory, but because of his style. Foster's style is very TV and judge friendly, and for fighters out there like me, he is a great article to study from. I'm not saying I'll be copying and pasting his style completely, but I will most definitely be watching his fights back like I do Sean Porter's. Shout out to Showtime as always, and Terrence Davis. Now, that special news regarding Roley is fresh out of the oven i know you guys probably thought i wasn't going to talk about that crazy sparring footage that got leaked but i'm not the type of guy like i said earlier to expose and roast fighters on the air major update for roley romero my boy is going right back into another world championship fight this time for the wba world championship at 140 pounds the super lightweight division has been on fire recently but the fight being handed to roley like this opens up further possibilities for people such as jack catterall and even josh taylor there have been rumors of Josh Taylor and Teofimo Lopez meeting in the four corners really at the start of this week, but there hasn't been anything concrete yet. No contract talks, nothing really other than Teofimo going on a few different outlets and saying that 
the fight is on his table. Alberto Puello, he has had the WBA world title as super lightweight since last summer. This man has been blessed with the opportunity to hold on to that title. Prior to winning the world title, he won the interim version of it and boasts an impressive 21-0 record. Puello is joined by Hector Garcia in the modern era as a representative of the Dominican Republic, where world championships are hard to come by in the last few years, but the two men have continued to put on great performances. Having Roley as an opponent will certainly draw out the Dominican boxing fans. This matchup creates an excellent Cuba versus the Dominican Republic clash. I am very excited to see this match. Matches between two Caribbean boxers, they often sell out. We know people are always going to show up for any Puerto Rican fighter. People are always going to show up for any Dominican fighter. People are always going to... It doesn't matter. Any Caribbean fighter really has a solid hold on their local community, which, of course, is going to boost ticket sales. Now, the implications for winning this fight for each of them is very different. If Roley comes out of this world title opportunity as the winner, he will have a world championship in his hands at 140. Like I mentioned earlier, Josh Taylor and Jack Catterall would both be likely opponents for Roley, although I wouldn't count out Regis Prograce either on the powers of a possible WBA-WBC title unification match. Gaining this world championship will give Roley some much-needed credibility in his new weight class, and of course, knowing that this man is the trash talker that he is, we, 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 we really can't be mad at Roley anymore. We know that this man is going to show up online. This man is going to show up to the press conference. No matter where he is, he's going to show up and he's going to talk trash. He's really been asking for the highest level of opposition at super lightweight and welterweight. He's also been asking for it at 135, but it seems like the higher weight classes are really where he's aiming right now. But he can't secure those fights without winning the world championship against Puello. For Alberto, he can attempt to unify with the winner of the IBF world title fight scheduled the day before my birthday, the 25th. Subriel Matias and Jeremias Ponce will be going head-to-head for that super lightweight championship on that date. He'll want to unify these belts to avoid taking on back-to-back risky fights, one against Roley and then another championship fight against a hungry and Jamie. Really, people think that Jack Catterall is jaded because of really the time that he's been up on the shelf, but I think he's really still hungry. It's really a high-risk fight if this man goes back-to-back Roley and Jack Catterall. It makes a lot more sense for Roley to go in that direction since his goal is always to make the most money, the biggest bang for the biggest buck, whether he is the A or the B side. Really haven't talked much about the Tank and Ryan situation, but it seems like the fight is in jeopardy once again. This week, outlets reported that Tank and Ryan Garcia's contract negotiations are in danger because of a rematch clause dispute this time. These guys really can't seem to get it together. It's, It just seems to be a repeated trend of these guys going back and forth on social media. They want to fight each other, contract, this and that. Things get leaked. Eddie Hearn goes off. Golden Boy guys goes off, then Oscar gets involved. It's really just a whole bunch of back and forth. And it gets super tiring just repeatedly seeing headlines of these guys. And it has absolutely nothing to do with the fight going through. So it's it's really just disappointing to see that Tank and Ryan Garcia really can't get this really together completely. Negotiations for mega fights have had a repeated history of hitting stalling points for one reason or another. 
We saw that Crawford and Spence were unable to reach terms of agreement as well, and that fight ultimately got put on the shelf completely. Business and politics within the sport of boxing is the number one enemy for fighters and fans. The fights that will generate the most money are most often the fights that are the hardest to land and negotiate successfully. Once again, we have reached the end of another wonderful week of DQ with Damani. I am excited to see Big AB, Adrian Broner, back in the ring the day before my birthday, the 25th. I already mentioned that there's a card. I, I believe there are two, either two or three cards that day. So stay tuned. Got a little over a week until the big one. I'm going to have a great time celebrating another year of life and watching some amazing matches. This weekend, we've got David Leye going up against Dimitro Bezos. So be sure to catch that French card while you can. David is one of my personal favorite up-and-coming heavyweights. Nine of his ten fights have ended by knockout, and he is still undefeated. I hope he wins the secondary WBO title and secures a big-name fight like I mentioned before on the show multiple times, there needs to be a lot more mobility in the heavyweight division. The heavyweight division really needs something. This is your host, show you to get out there and watch those local fights. I tell you guys every weekend, the guys on TV aren't the only ones making money. You gotta get the guys on the local level first. Get out there and show some love for your own. Thank you so much.